All right. Good morning. Hopefully everyone fared well with the heat, huh? The last few days. <laughs> we don't we don't get it like the valley. But uh for it to be uh, you know, 100 close to that. It's a little little warm, little warm, so stay hydrated and uh, you know, you'll be all right. Make sure you move around. Don't stay sitting too long. Don't want to have anyone with heat stroke or anything like that. Uh well, you know, it's Father's Day, so I think that's a great thing. So uh, God bless you, all the fathers here. Uh, I think it's, uh, again, uh, just like the mothers. We know mothers and fathers, uh, we have different functions, but we're equal. None is better or, or uh, least than the other. Um, but, you know, for the role that, that God has laid for the man, it's very important that, uh, you know, there are fathers in families, right? We see the dysfunction in our country alone because of the lack of fatherhood, the lack of men stepping up to the plate. They sire children. And unfortunately, some of us, we dip out and don't take care of our responsibility. So God bless you, all the fathers in the room, uh, wherever you are, and know that the Lord is smiling upon you. Uh, just a couple quick announcements before we get into the message. So the first one, uh, obviously, uh, you know, we know June 15th has come. And so you know, I've been in prayer about it, and I, I, I'm completely clear that I've heard from the Lord about what we are to do as far as the church in regards to, you know, the mandates and the requirements. So, as you know, uh, if you are, this, this is, I'm going off of what uh, Santa Clara County is saying, and we're imposing our own uh understanding of what that is within the church, okay? So, as far as, if you are fully vaccinated, if you're fully vaccinated, you have the legal right to not wear a mask in here. So if you choose not to, if you're fully vaccinated and you choose to wear a mask, that's fine. I have my mask on um, when I'm not preaching. I think it's partly due to I'm trying to encourage my son as, you know, children under 12 are not vaccinated. So they're at risk. Um, if you are not fully vaccinated, you are required by Santa Clara County to mask up inside this building outside of this building like if we have events outside whatever you're not vaccinated you don't have to wear a mask um we want to do our best as the body of christ not to be so concerned to what gavin newsom's saying or santa clara county but the thing is until they come to a point where they're telling us we cannot worship jesus christ now that becomes a position where we're in direct opposition but we are to prayerfully seek the Lord in all the matters. And what the Lord was showing me the, la the last couple of days, and especially last night was, you know, we need to consider love your neighbor as yourself. What does that really look like to love your neighbor as yourself? Because I hear a lot of people talk about this is my right and this is my right, but it's not about your rights. It's not about my rights. It's about honoring the Lord. And what would Jesus have us to do in regards to this whole mask thing? And I really believe it's to follow the mandates and also, we need to consider if we have guests, you know, guests are going to want to believe that we're following the law accordingly. We're the church. If, if anybody who's supposed to follow the law, it's the church. Now, if you have people within the church that are like, I'm going to rebel, I'm going to do my own thing, that's between you and the Lord. And the Lord will have to convict you of whatever's going on within your heart that you're, you're feeling you need to not abide by the rules that are set in place. We also have to consider children, Okay. Children that are under 12, I have two children that, are in, that come to this service regularly that are under 12, and, and they, they are at risk. Um, I say that because I was talking to, uh, you know, me, me and Pastor Nick, we talk on a regular basis. And as we were talking on Wednesday, it was a Tuesday afternoon, he had just got a text. His wife had texted him that um, you guys, some of you guys know Nick Lachey, his brother. Uh, was hospitalized with COVID, and uh, it was a serious condition. I don't know what his condition is now, but they're, they're praying that he doesn't get put on a ventilator, this and that. All that to be said, um, we're not necessarily out of the woods yet. You know, I think with 15 months of pe people being on lockdown, everyone and their mom is going to want to be like, I don't want to wear a mask, I just want to go do everything. And, and that's fine and dandy, but we don't want to find ourselves back in the same situation, right, in a couple months because, you know, uh, these things are circulating and we're not we're not staying safe. So this is what I believe the Lord is showing me as a proper protocol, respectful protocol, because my responsibility while I'm here pastoring this church is to ensure 
the safety and well-being of everyone that comes in those doors and leaves the doors, right? What people do on their personal time is what people choose to do. But under my watch, I need to do at the very least set the table and make it feasible for everyone to be able to be safe and healthy in this setting. Okay, so as long as we're, we're crystal clear on that, I think we're good. So again, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to feel like you ever have to come in this building with the mask again. But if you feel like you want to, then that's totally fine. And I don't want people to look down on other people that choose to wear a mask for whatever personal reason or people who don't choose, or even if people who are unvaccinated, right? Again, these are things that you have to go before the Lord with in your own heart, and the Lord will show you what it is for you to do. Okay, the next last thing with all this kind of, you know, house stuff that's going on is, um, I know it was brought up to me last week about the air conditioning. So I did speak to an elder from um, Wellspring, the church we rent from, and the landlord does periodically have the air conditioner filters uh, changed, okay? The question at hand is whether or not, because we understand we are not the only uh, business or entity in this section, in, in this sector, right? There's other businesses. And so the question is, are we sharing shared air? You know, I don't know how many people, how many other businesses are actually active right now on a Sunday morning, but that's something to consider. Um, If people don't feel comfortable with the air conditioner being on because of the possibility of, again, you know, shared air going on, uh, you know, we can simply purchase a a few good, um, you know, commercial grade uh, fans and kind of do something like that to mitigate, uh, you know, the air and to keep it somewhat cool in here. But that's kind of where we're at, you know, Um, and in light of, again, the fact that, you know, people on the other side of the world are being persecuted and killed every day for their faith. Being a little high, I understand some some people have health conditions, and so we're going to try our best to address those things. Um, But, you know, it's just never it's never perfect. It's never picture perfect. Sometimes it's a little wonky and, you know, things dealing with heat. uh, That's going to happen. And again, uh, the fact that. You know, indoors, closed doors, air conditioning, possible share of air. You know, it's it's six in one, half a dozen in the other, if you ever heard that term, right? It's like, I don't want to say that word up here, you know, if you do, if you don't, but you guys get it. So that's kind of where we're at with all that. So hopefully um, everything, uh, you guys are okay with that. Um, if there are any concerns, please feel free to, to talk to me after service and I'll do my best to address your concerns and hopefully we can get something figured out so everyone's needs are being met. Okay, with that, um, we are in Acts chapter 27 today. We're continuing on in our series. This is this has been a long time coming, and it's just um, it's just super exciting. Every every week, uh, you know, the Lord just speaks through His Word, and um, we can glean and learn from it. So, uh, we're in Acts chapter twenty-seven. We'll be in verses twenty-seven down through thirty-eight. So, uh, when you get there, if you can and you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll go ahead and read the Word. We'll pray, and we'll get into the heart of the message. All right. Once again, it's Acts chapter twenty-seven. Verses 27 down through 38. And if you don't happen to have a Bible or your personal device, uh, the slide should be on the screen behind me. Okay. Acts chapter 27 and, and starting in verse 27, it says, When the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea at midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found... 20 fathoms a little farther on they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms that's just a measurement of a depth of water if you're wondering what is a fathom it's not a phantom <laughs> all right and fearing that we might run on the rocks they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come and as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship And had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying our anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, excuse me, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from your head of any of you. 
And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276. Got to get loud when those big engines come roaring by. We were all 276 persons in the ship, verse 38. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for just uh, this opportunity to dive into your word. Lord, would you please unearth these rich truths that are so important to our lives Uh, Lord, may you speak to us through your word. Uh, Your your Bible is the ultimate authority. We don't have to add anything to it. We don't have to take anything away. It speaks for itself. So please show us where Jesus Christ is in the text and how, uh, most importantly, this text is applicable to our lives where we're at. We're all in different places uh, today as we come through these doors, but we all have the same need to fill that God-sized hole that's in all of our hearts. So, Father, may you do the work that only you can do. We thank you and love you. In Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So, uh, you know, where we left off last week, the crew, right? They're in this treacherous storm. It's, it's not a good look. It's very dangerous. Uh, It's dark. It's wet. It's nasty. It's stinky. There's a lot going on. You know, again, if you picture, you know, deadliest catch, this is kind of what's going on. It's, it's not a a pretty job what they have. They're, they're trying to go from uh, Caesarea down to Italy. They have a bunch of cargo from Egypt, you know, spices, things that are are very valuable of monetary uh, means, and they're trying to get it to Caesar. They also have a lot of prisoners that are going to basically become gladiators, be fed to the lions in the Colosseum. And then you have Paul, this Roman prisoner that's going to stand before Caesar as well. Probably one of three Christians that are on board this ship where everyone else is uh, not a believer at all, maybe an atheist or they believe in false gods. So, but they're all going through this together in this situation. Um, they're throwing everything overboard. And, and Paul, uh, as we left off, was encouraging them that no one would die. He said that he, uh, the Lord had given him a vision and, and the Lord had showed him uh, prior to this and, and right up to this point that he was going to make it to Rome to stand before Caesar. And we talked about, you see, this is the thing with God. He keeps his promises. Yes, he does because he's true and he's faithful. They may not come in the manner or package the way we think, right? Sometimes in our lives we think, well, I'm a Christian and I serve God, so so everything's supposed to just go right in my life. And it's always supposed to be a bed of roses and I'm never supposed to have any trials or or pain or no hurt because I believe in Jesus and and God's faithful. Well, you know what? Yes, God is faithful, but you know, if you have cancer, you're still going to have to go through the things that you have to endure going through cancer. It's just you're probably going to fare better because your faith in Jesus Christ is going to gird you through the process of having cancer. But we still go through difficult times in this life, as we see in our text this morning. Uh, these men who were on board, they had not seen sunlight or moonlight for many days, and they had not eaten anything due to the rough conditions. And so I don't know how many of you have have chosen to to fast, whether it's for dietary reasons, because you want to be lean and, and carve out your structure, or you're, you're choosing to fast uh, for uh, spiritual reasons. But anytime you go for an extended amount of time without any food, it's very difficult and you can easily become very weak and, and frail in your, uh, your physical being and, and, and hopefully not in your countenance, but sometimes psychologically as well. So if you could imagine and picture this, no sunlight, no moonlight, no food, nasty, stinky conditions, rough terrains on the sea. This is what they were experiencing. So it was not pretty. It was not fun for even the most seasoned uh, sailors, if you will. This was hard times on the water. They were literally at the end of their rope and they had lost all hope. They were expecting themselves to perish and probably not all of the members of this crew believed Paul when Paul said, you're not going to perish. You're not going to die on this ship. As we will learn today in our text, it reveals very practical advice 
of how not only these men would be saved from this storm, but how you and I can survive the many storms that we will face in our lives. Maybe you're not uh, into fishing as I talked about last week, me and my wife, when we were dating, going to Monterey and going on that princess cruise to go well watching and all the throw up and all that. You know, you may not be into, you know, being on the sea or, 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 or fishing, but you will go through storms in your life. You can count on it. All right. There's several main points that I'd like us to focus on this morning. And the first one is this. When we, uh, speaking of people, right, in general, when we, when we hit rock bottom, even people who don't know God or don't have a personal relationship with God or Jesus Christ will cry out to him. You see, this crew made a last attempt to try to save themselves from this disastrous storm. And, and this is what we see in the text that, that they threw as much stuff as they could overboard because the ship was uh, beginning to take on water. And it says that after they did this, that they prayed for daylight, that it would soon appear. And I, I could just imagine them, picture them crying out, please, man, we're, will daylight come? Because we, we, need to, we need to know that we're going to make it to the next day. They were, they were literally uh, at, at their breaking point. They, they could not take anymore. Many if not all of this crew did not know Jesus Christ in a personal way or a personal manner. They did not have that personal connection to the God of the universe. But the text says they prayed. So who did they pray to? <laughs> That's the question. Who did they pray to, right? Because they don't know Jesus Christ, but they're, they're praying. They're praying for uh, daylight to come. Most likely, it was the God of their own understanding, right? The God of, of what they think God is. That's who they're praying to. You see, many times in life, people only seek after God when they have no other option to turn to. When every other resource they've exasperated, right? Um, no amount of money. Right. Can undo or change the circumstances or the situations that 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 some are facing. And that's when they'll turn to the Lord. Um, you see, because when you have money and you have when you have an excess of money, it's easy to to, to get rid of a lot of problems. Because you can throw money at it and money, 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 it's not a good or bad thing. I can't stand when people say, well, uh, money's the root of all evil. First of all, you're, you're, when people say that, they're misquoting scripture because it's the love or the lust or the desire for money that is, is wrong. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's plenty of people who are wealthy that use it wisely and are a blessing and a benefit to other people. So it's not money, but it is the love. It is the love of anything. If you put anything over, other over your love for God, that's when it becomes what the Bible is, calls an idol. And, 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 and see, when people use money to, to alleviate things, but when money doesn't alleviate the problem, uh, okay, well, where else can you turn? And that's when usually people turn uh, to God and, and ask for help. I don't know about you, but I can relate to that because I've been there. <laughs> I, I was one of those people where I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to solve it. I, I, I don't need God. I, I, I have my own little nook that I've carved out in life. And, you know, that all worked until none of that worked, <laughs> until none of that would fix it. And I found myself in a jail cell for the second time for, you know, another DUI and license taken away. And, you know, all that that goes along with, with, with that. And, and a lifestyle change happened. I, I had to be uh, brought to my, my, my breaking point. That was for me. That was my breaking point. And that's when things changed. You see, many times when we're facing trouble that we can't fix, we seek the Lord. But it's not to seek the Lord to have a personal relationship with them. We're, we're just like, can I get my get out of hell card? <laughs> can you help me? I don't really want you, but I need you to work things out in my life, right? Because sometimes we pray that prayer. Oh, Lord, please, if you do this for me, I swear I'll, I'll give you my life. I'll, I'll stop doing this. I'll stop doing that. I won't gamble no more. I won't be, you know, going to the nudie houses. I won't be doing this and that. But it's like, you know, our, 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 is our heart sincere when we share these things? Or are we merely just uh, giving a form of lip service because we just want to get out of our, our circumstance? We want them to just fix the problem. But see, this is the good thing about God. This is the good thing about our Heavenly Father is that He's merciful, right? What does mercy mean? He, he gives us what we don't deserve and He withholds what we do deserve. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, because of the love He has for us. You see, instead, because He's infinite and He knows, He's all-knowing. You see, I'm finite. 
I only know what he reveals to me. But he's all knowing and he knows that even in those difficult circumstances or sometimes those boneheaded circumstances, right, that we put ourselves in because of our own foolishness, he will use those circumstances to reveal himself to us. The question is, are we willing to see him for who he is? Are we willing to hear that still small voice? Because, right, he's a gentleman, so he's not barking. He's not condemning. So if you ever hear that condemning voice, that's the enemy. That's, that's what Satan means. He's in opposition to Almighty God. That's, that's the voice of Satan or an unclean spirit that's trying to condemn you and to make you go over and over in your head of the wrongs that you've done. But you see, God, Almighty true God, Jesus Christ, he will come in as a gentleman. He will knock at the door of your heart wait for you to open the door of your heart so that he may dine with you. You may be friends. You may be saved. And all of that transpires in such a gentle way, such a calm way that if we're not, if we don't have our spiritual antennas aware of what's going on, we'll miss it. We'll miss the opportunity. But you see, God, again, is, is so his desire is so much that his creation would come to repentance and that none would perish that he continues to pursue you and me. You see, sometimes it takes many of us a long time, longer than others, you know. Um, I, I know myself, for example, I've been exposed to Jesus, not from a young age. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I have older brothers that grew up in the church. And so around 15, I, I was, you know, awakened a little bit to what Jesus was. But I'm like, well, I'm not with you Christians. You guys are weird. You, you do the thing where you drink blood and you eat bre bread and you call it flesh. That's cannibalism. I'm not into that. That's weird. You know, I'm not doing that. You guys dunk people in water and say you're born again. What are you guys talking about? But you see, I had no framework. I was very spiritually immature, if you will. And so it took many, many years. You know, I was that foolish person that continually cracking his head against a brick wall. It's like, when are you going to realize that's not the way, right? That's insanity is to do the same thing over and over again, but expect a different result. And finally, the Lord had to get a hold of me uh, to, to, to finally shake me up enough to realize, you know what, the way I was living was totally not right. It was in opposition to him. And there was a calling upon my life to do something more than what I was doing. But I didn't know that in the moment. And for, for, for others of you, you're going through similar things where it's taking a long time. But that's okay because the reality is God is patient. He's merciful, he's just, and he continues to pursue. You see, where men and women give up on people, God doesn't give up. God continues to pursue because his desire is for you and me to be reconciled to him. Amen? All right, the second main point is this. Unless you and I stay rooted in Jesus Christ, there is no prospect of salvation. And I'm not talking about once saved, always saved. Because we can go into a whole, that's a whole other can of worms that I'm not getting into. But, but hear me out when I share this, okay? We see that the crew was told by Paul that unless they stay in the ship, they would not be saved from this fierce storm. If they had tried to go it alone against the strength of the storm, they would have been utterly annihilated because it was, it was disastrous off of that ship. It was already bad in the ship, but outside of the ship, there was 100% certainty of them all perishing. Spiritually speaking, right? Spiritually speaking, we are to do the same thing. Remain in the ship, if you will, that is Jesus Christ. You see, if we try to venture out outside of his will. That's what, that's what the Bible is. You see, some people say, oh, you know, the Bible, it's, it's so, I, I just can't do it because it's just going to strip away everything that I like to do. It's, it's, just, it's a bunch of rules. It tells me what I should do, what I can't do. You know, I, I like using the, the analogy of, you know, 17. Uh, some of you are old timers and you've been on 17 before they have the guardrails. Don't you think it's a blessing that the next time you or whenever you want to go to Santa Cruz or Summit Road or wherever, Mount Hermon, that there's actually guardrails on 17 that keep you from flipping off and tumbling and everyone coming to a, a, a very not good uh, death because of, you know, having no guardrails. The guardrails are there to protect you. The guardrails are there for, for you to know uh, the boundaries you have and within those those boundaries you, again obviously going with the law and, and, and not going crazy but you can you have freedom and that's the same thing with the bible the, the bible has uh, guidelines if you will that help us to know 
This is a good thing for my life. These are things I should stay away from because they're not going to benefit me. And so this is what we need to understand when, when we see this. And again, speaking of spiritually speaking, staying within the confines of what Christ has given to us for our own, uh, for our own benefit. You see, um, when we venture outside of his will, we face danger of not being saved. And, and th- in, in this, I mean willful disobedience, right? You understand. If the Lord has revealed, his, if the Lord has given you revelation of what his word is, and you say, ah, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. You know, when you, when, you, when you feel that prick in your heart, when you feel that, 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 that uneasiness, you know, that's conviction. Conviction is a beautiful thing. It, it doesn't feel good in the moment, but it's almost, uh, how can, what's, what's an analogy I can use? It's like a, a loving parent disciplining a child. You know, if, if my son, Kalos, he wants to eat sugar all day long. And if I let him eat sugar all day long, he's going to become a diabetic by the time he's 12, and it's not a good look. So I have to gently, and I don't, I don't do a great job of this all the time, but gently reprimand him or point him in another direction. Have God's fruit. Have a, have, a, have a nectarine. You don't need those sugary worms all day. You see, but that, 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 that conviction is, oh, I don't want to hear that. But I don't want to hear that, but it's for my benefit. And sometimes we're like that with God because we are his children and he is our father where, where he's trying to correct us and we feel that, 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 ugh, that uneasiness, that uncomfortableness, but he's trying to redirect us, get us all back on the right path. And, and, and we need this. But it's when we have willful disobedience, where we choose to, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to live the way I want to, and I'll suffer the consequences. I'm writing it out my own way. Well, that's not going to be a good look for any of us. The reality is this. We're all eternal beings, whether people believe it or not, right? We are created. We were, were created, excuse me, in the perfect moral image of God. We were. And when we die physically, we don't necessarily pass away, but we do pass on. We pass on to the next chapter of existence, with, with, which is eternal life, right? Your, your, your spirit doesn't die when this shell you're in goes into the grave or whatever. If people want to cremate you and you get spread all through the ocean, that, you know, it doesn't matter. But, but it's, it's, it's what you can't see, your character, who you are inside, who you, what, what drives you and, and leads you to, to, to love people or not love people and how you treat others. It's, it's that part of you that lives on forever. We are created in God's moral character. And depending on who we put our trust and our hope in, this present life will make it either easier or difficult, depending on what we choose. There's a saying, outside of Christ, you will die twice. Right. Once a physical death, but spiritually twice, because we all have to go before the Lord to face a judgment an account of did you receive my son Jesus Christ as your personal savior? And the way this looks, I don't truly believe it's anything like how Western culture has made it out to be. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. You remember the thief on the cross. What did he say? He said, Will you remember me? Because the other person mocked him and said, you're not the Christ. What are you doing? You're, you're, I, I feel like the religious leaders. If you're, if you're the Christ, get down from the cross. But he was foolish. He didn't understand that this was whole, the whole part of the process. He had to give of himself so people could have eternal life and have the prospect of having eternal salvation with God forever in paradise. And what did Jesus say? He said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. That, that thief didn't come down off the cross and get water baptized. You see, that's why... You know, all these little traditions and all these things that we regulate as men to say, this is what deems you saved and unsaved. Nobody can go into the heart of another person and say, I determine you're saved or not. It's a personal thing because many people sit in church services all day long. And, and when the pastor says, that, you know, all the prayer and you're, you're saved if you raise your hand, raising your hand doesn't mean you're saved. You in your person privately with the Lord. That interaction, that's when you say, I accept, (laughs) I accept, I'm going to acknowledge that you're the creator and I'm the creation, that I'm not my own God, that you have a plan for my life beyond what I can even believe. And I'm going to submit to your will. That's something personal and private. And that determines a person's salvation. I just want to get that out of the way because I really feel like 
that gets abused so much. And, and we have all these weird markers to determine if someone's saved or not. And, and you and I can't determine that. We're called to make plenty of judgment calls, but we're never called to make an eternal judgment call on whether someone's saved or not. There will be fruit. <laughs> you, you should bear healthy, good spiritual fruit that, that will be markers of someone being saved. But once again, we can't determine that. Amen. 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 First Corinthians chapter 15 Verse 52 tells us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we should all be changed. Uh, Again, the the, the verse, this verse speaks to the fact that everyone is eternal. Okay, everyone's eternal from 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 eternity past to now. Every person who's ever walked the face of the earth, they have an eternal being in them and determining on who they will admit Jesus Christ to be will determine where they will spend their eternity. All right. The last main point is this. It says, this is a beautiful thing. When we are unashamed, right? You know what it feels like to be unashamed. You know, anyone who is truly in love and and they get married I'm unashamed of who my spouse is. You see me, <laughs> right? You see me. You see this beautiful lady next to me or a grandparent. Oh, man, grandparents, they are unashamed of their grandkids. They love their grandkids. They're like, this is my baby girl. <laughs> this is my pop pop right here. You know, you remember that Rio, <laughs> that Rio movie, pop pop, pop pop. They call me pop pop. He was unashamed, right? He was like, <laughs> This is my grandson, my grandchildren, who I am well pleased in, if I may use that, that coin, as the Lord said about his son, Jesus Christ, right? God the Father, unashamed of, him, of his son. But you, but you see, uh, when we are unashamed of Jesus Christ before other people, it will affect them in some kind of way. They'll be encouraged. And I don't mean being weird and always quoting Bible scriptures and always having your Bible open. You, you, you understand the, why, the, way, the reason why Jesus was so effective in his ministry is because he was 100% God, but he was 100% man. And he was very relatable, right? He didn't go around with the holy stick whacking people because they weren't doing right. What does the Bible say? He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors who were despised in that culture because they basically raped the people and inflated the taxes so they could profit. He hung out with people who were lepers, who had this skin disorder where basically limbs would fall off day by day because they had this so sickening physical disease that they'd been outcasted from the cities and the villages they lived in. They weren't even part of the normal population, if you will. They could be what we would, the closest we can get to is people with disabilities, right, in our culture today. But he hung out with all those people, and he was relatable, and people related to him. Remember the woman caught in adultery, you know, remember the woman at the well who already had five husbands and she was a half-breed Samaritan and she was afraid to go to the well during the normal time because she didn't want to be put out by all the people talking smack about her and gossiping. But he told her, drink from me. You know, I, 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 I'm the living water, speaking of Jesus Christ, and with me you'll never thirst again. But he was relatable and people, they gravitated to that. So, you know, when I talk about being unashamed of Jesus Christ, it's not standing out on the corner with a megaphone telling people they're going to burn in hell if they don't accept Christ. If that's your ministry, God bless you. But I don't believe that that's what you're called to do as a Christian, not a true Christian, not a true believer. It's the way you live. It's the way you live. It's, it's, it's your words matching up with, with your actions, right? Because that gives you validity to speak into someone's life. But when you're, when you're, when you're saying, I live this way and this is what I believe, but then, you know, uh, they find you in the nudie house or they find you doing things you're not supposed to be doing or you're having an adulterous affair uh, behind your wife's back, but yeah, you're the pastor of the church or you're this and that or you're the children's ministry leader, but you're doing weird, kooky stuff. That takes the credibility away. The reality is this. For every person who denies Jesus Christ, there's someone else who will accept him and receive him. You see, we need to keep this in mind when we share the love of Jesus Christ with those around us. Paul understood this. And as he broke bread in our text this morning, he gave thanks to God for the nourishment of the crew to receive it. And they were all greatly encouraged. You see, they went two weeks without daylight or moonlight or food. And they were shaken up, even though they were strong men. 
But it wasn't primarily the food of why the crew was encouraged. It was the fact that the only person that was aboard the ship that had any genuine faith was the Apostle Paul. And in a time of great despair, Paul didn't give up hope. He instead lifted up their situation to God. He interceded for them and the good Lord responded. You see, many times in your life, you may be the only person who truly is walking with God in your personal sphere of influence. And you see how you respond as a Christian to difficulty in your life or the people's lives around you will either have a positive or negative effect effect upon them. Uh, an example of this, so I, I had to go into my work on Friday for uh, uh, in-person training, and um, a good friend of mine, um, you know, I hadn't seen him in, in 15 months, and, you know, we were catching up before I had to leave to go pick up my kids, and, uh, you know, he said, hey, man, keeping my, um, you know, my, my, uh, my, my girlfriend, she, uh, you know, I noticed that her, you know, her, th- her, I thought she had gained weight, man, it's like, you know, the pandemic, just sitting at home, but, uh, you know, um, she has, she got diagnosed with thyroid cancer, man. And I, and I got to go with her to the specialist in Oakland next week because they're going to try to see if they can take out this cancer because it's an, it's an aggressive cancer. And this is a young lady who's very active, very healthy. Um, I don't believe that they're saved or walking with the Lord. But, you know, and I said, you know what, Gus, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for her. Bro, I'll pray for her. And I did later that night. And he said, you know, he said, you know, that's, a, you know, that's, why, that's why I was telling you. Because, you know, he knows that, uh, you know, m- my faith and that who I believe in. He knows that uh, I'm a Christian, that uh, I'm a pastor. And so, you know, I share that because, again, this is a, this is a good friend of mine, uh, a colleague of mine. But the fact that he was willing to divulge that kind of personal information, that's very difficult to deal with. Man, my loved one, you know, she she has thyroid cancer, and, and and I don't know if he's a believer, but you know, for him to just say, yeah, man, I I I know, I know, I know you believe in God, so I appreciate you praying for her. That means a big deal. And and, and again, you'll have situations like that where you'll come across people, and they will accept. For all the people that deny it, there'll be some that accept and will be thankful and happy that you pray. That you're like, man, dude, that's that's concerning. Yes, I, I I will lift that up to the Lord and hopefully he'll answer and it will be favorable on your behalf. All right. With that, let's go ahead and get into these verses. I know that was a long stress introduction, but you know what? Uh, the inter- introduction is fundamental because if we don't know the framework of what we're dealing with, then you're not going to understand anything what the text is saying. Okay, so 27 and 29, it says, When the 14 nights had come as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they're like, man, we're getting close. We're getting close. So they took a sounding and and, and found uh, 20 fathoms. A little further, uh, they took another sounding again and and found 15 fathoms. So, you know, uh, these are measurements. So they're like, man, we're getting closer. It's not as deep as it was. And as the text says in verse 29, it says, and fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Okay. The first thing here that I see in the text is 14 nights had come. That's a long time. Two weeks in misery and terror in a storm. You know, I'm a big baby. I stay on land. The the closest I'm going to get to the water is a pool, you know. (laughs) We were at my sister-in-law's house yesterday and and, and having a good time. And they had the pool. And my my father-in-law's in in the pool. My son's in the pool. That's the closest I get to the pool. We go to the beach. I'm not diving in the ocean. I'm like, you know, I'll run across the shore. And, you know, my ankles might get in there. I'll maybe get knee high. But I don't do... I don't do all that water. I don't know if it's because I'm a brother or what, but you know what? I don't know if that's a stereotype. I'm just saying I don't do water like that. But these men, two weeks misery of just being in this sea, and it's not a good look. You see, this kind of difficult situation, it could have a severe psychological effect on someone. It's, it's almost like torture. You know, being like that in those conditions, some people never recover from that and they're adversely changed for the rest of their lives because of it. No good sanitation, no light, no food, cold, windy, wet, constantly being tossed every which direction. Does that sound like fun to you? That does not sound like fun. Some people that like, uh, you know, uh, what is it, uh, roller coasters, they're like, sign me up. Nope, I'm not doing it. I know Deadliest Catch, they do make good money. You know what? I don't need money that bad. I, I, I couldn't imagine how anyone could stay sane without Jesus Christ in a situation like that. I mean, what do you cling to? Where's your hope? You know, how do you fare when you don't know the God of all creation and you're in a situation like that? You see, 
But we're not too far removed from that because all you need to do is watch the latest evening news feed and you'll see plenty of people who are living like this on dry land. All of the sickening, disgusting, despicable acts that, that, that our brothers and sisters in humanity do, that take part in, you know, just the, the heinous things that you hear, things that are happening to children and, and, and things that, you know, things that are done in, 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 in the name of, well, I have a cause and this and that. But it's like, man, these are diabolical things. These are not right. These are, these are if, I, if I can be so blunt, they are satanic. They are, they are led by an unclean spirit and people's minds that are being manipulated and brainwashed into thinking this is the right way, but they don't know the true and living God. And so they're not living righteously. They're living unrighteously. They're not living holy, set apart. They're living unholy. We see these kind of things happening in our daily lives. You see, many are spiritually blind walking around this life in complete darkness, being tossed left and right by every wind of doctrine, utterly helpless, not knowing when their situation will ever change or get better. And that's why it's so important for us as believers to, you share the love of Christ. You share, the, you share Christ by the way you live. And Lord willing, someone will see the reflection of Christ in you and that will be a seed planted in their heart or water that's watering the seed in their heart and that they too will continue that trend and live a righteous and holy life. Next, we see that the soldiers sensed that they were drawing near some land. Um, again, uh, they thought that there was breakers in the distance. Again, they took proper precautions against crashing into the rocks. And it says that they dropped the anchors from the stern and they prayed for daylight to come. We had already talked about this, but uh, so uh, a fathom is an old English measurement of length. And it, it, it's basically about six feet. And that's how they measured. That's how they were able to tell, okay, we're getting a little bit closer to land because our measurements are telling us this. That's what a fathom is. So, again, it's not a phantom. Don't worry. It's nothing like that in the text. It's just it's an old English measurement of a, a system. Okay. Lastly here, we see that they realized that they were getting close to the rocks, so they prayed for day to come. You see, the threat of the shipwreck and death made them men of prayer. The application is this. The prospect of death on the horizon will prompt many to cry out in prayer. You see, the text doesn't tell us that these men knew God. So how did they know how to pray? Well, I, I love the book of Genesis. I've heard it said once before, the very first verse of the book of the Bible. If you struggle with that, you're going to struggle with the rest of the word of God. But if you can be content and say, you know what? There is a creator and I'm not him then I'm okay. But Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 tells us, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. So if you believe that is true, that is a clear indication of why, even though without knowing God and having a personal relationship with him, they had the wherewithal in the moment of desperation to cry out to God because all human beings are created in the moral character of God. This is why God the Father, the triune Godhead, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, this is why they strongly desire to have fellowship with us. You see, because we are created in God the Father's own image. You see, just as your children and grandchildren resemble you in some kind of way because they're from your bloodline, we are from, in essence, the spiritual bloodline of Christ in the, in the fact that he created all his creation. Now, in order to receive that inheritance, we have to humbly accept the gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers. He didn't make us into robots, so we're not slaves. You don't have to bow down to Christ if you don't want to, but you will pay the penalty for saying, I deny you, I'm going to go up my own way, or I have a God of my own creation and he's not you. And so that's something that every individual has to wrestle with within their own hearts and come to peace with God about. But this is an explanation of why these men were able to cry out not knowing God at all. Because we are all originally created from the creator, God. And in that way, we resemble his greatness in the sense of we are his most valuable creation. Out of all the things he created, right? He gave us dominion over the whole earth. He gave us dominion over every animal, every beast of the field. Not to abuse, not to take advantage of, but to, but to utilize for our benefit, right? Do you know, we weren't really even supposed to eat meat. It's only when sin entered the world. Because when, when the first Adam and Eve were in the garden... 
It was all lush fruit, beautiful vegetation. That's what they were eating. But it's when sin entered the world because they ate, they chose to eat from the forbidden fruit. You got all the fruit, and that's a whole other thing. Oh, if I was there, I wouldn't have done that. Yes, you would. <laughs> yes, I would. You know, I know my heart. I know I'm deceitfully wicked uh, apart from Christ. I've come to terms with that. But, you know, some people haven't. But you know what? The fact that because they chose to go that way, man, now we eat meat. <laughs> Enjoy it because we're not under the law. You can eat meat. You can have a good steak. Enjoy it. You know, but I'm just saying uh, we weren't necessarily supposed to eat meat. We were we were eating. We were supposed to be eating fruits and vegetation. That's a side note. Sorry, that's a rabbit hole. I need to get away from that and get back on track. Okay. Every person, okay, every person, even those who outright deny the existence of the one and true God, they have this blueprint in their makeup. But you see, it can only be realized with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because these men on this ship, remember, the nasty conditions, horrible, 14 days without uh, any light, any water, it's getting really bad. It's because they were at the brink of death. They had no other option than to cry out to God any way they could and beg Him to save them. What's important about this truth is that's the kind of desperation that will provide the opportunity for a person's soul to be saved. Do you understand that God only needs a millimeter, if that, of a crack of opportunity to blow your life away and create in you a clean heart and renew in you a right spirit? It just has to you just need a little bit. And usually it's in times of desperation, in times of despair, in times of discomfort, when your back's against the wall, when nothing you have can change or fix your situation. You cry out to God. And in that instance, oh man, he can get a hold of you and rearrange your life for the good. And you'll never have to struggle like that again. You'll go through trying times, but you'll have the Lord and an understanding of who he is on your side. And you'll far... You'll, you'll fare so much better through the turbulent times of your life. You see, but until someone gets to that point where they're at the end of themselves, they'll still be in spiritual darkness. There's, they'll still be in a, in a spiritual sea of depression and despair. But as soon as you decide to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, then you will begin to truly, really truly, uh, truly realize excuse me, your purpose in life. A great weight will be lifted from your shoulders and you will have a, a peace about your eternal security. You won't have to guess whether or not when you pass on, will you go to heaven? You can know for sure. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to get into heaven, not because of my own good, because we know the Bible says our good deeds are but a filthy rag. I won't go into what that actually means, but we know it's not clean. But we rest on the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. It's what he's done, right? By grace, through faith, you are saved. Amen. That's a beautiful thing. You, you, you take his goodness upon you, right? You, you put on the, the finished work of Jesus Christ, and that counts for you to be right before God the Father. Because I know if I go before God without Jesus, ooh, it's a bad look. I'm not doing it. All right, moving on. Verse 30, it says, And as the sailors... <clears throat> We're seeking to escape from the ship. He had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out an anchor from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, excuse me, men in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship, ship's boat and let it go. Okay, they just prayed. They had just, oh, God save me. It seems like their prayers were short-lived because next we read as the sailors were seeking to escape from their ship. They're like, I'm getting off this ship. I'm out of here. Uh, I'm not staying on this ship. I prayed and it, it looks worse. God, where are, have you ever done that? You pray, God, it's worse. It's worse. I prayed. I'm faithful. I prayed. What are you doing? This is what these men were going through. And they didn't care for the passengers. They were trying to save their own skin. I'm out of here. I'm saving my own life. You guys are prisoners anyways. You deserve it. Drown. <laughs> Seeing a chance to save their own lives in the darkness, they hoped to abandon the ship, leaving these passengers behind. I, I, you know, you guys know the airplane example. I get that, right? Put your mask on first. 
Don't try to save everybody else. If you don't get your mask on when the emergency happens on that airplane, it's going to be all bad. Get your mask on first, then you can help those around you. But this wasn't that. These people were like, I don't care what they're doing. I'm leaving. I'm off this boat. I'm saving myself, right? They just wanted to get out. They didn't care if these other passengers, these prisoners, if they died and drowned. One sign of being spiritually dead or not being spiritually mature in your walk with Christ is selfishness, is selfishness. You know, these men only cared for their own lives. They were looking out for numero uno. They didn't care if anyone else died just as long as if they were spared, just as long as if they were spared. And, and, and this is, we see this all throughout the world, right? That, that, that's how it is in some degrees. I won't say all because you can't make a blanket statement about all people. That's just not correct. That's not correct at all. But in some areas of our culture, this is what's promoted. By any means necessary, get to the top. By any means necessary, become that CEO. It doesn't matter who I stomp on to get to to where I get to. I'm going to get there. This is how the world largely operates. Looking out for yourself and no one else. But we see the exact opposite in our Savior, right? Amen. We see the exact opposite in Jesus Christ. He, he gave himself as a ransom for many. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's, <laughs> he said despising the shame. He endured the cross. He's God. He didn't have to go to some wretched wooden beam and let himself bleed out. But in God's infinite wisdom, he knew, man, killing these rams and these bulls, it's like putting a bandaid on an open wound. You people are, we're so lost. We're going to keep sinning. You know you're a sinner still, right? You're a sinner saved by grace. Don't think that you're not a sinner no more just because you accept Jesus. You probably sinned this morning. I know I did. It is what it is. But, but we have redemption in Christ. And, and you see, Christ gave of himself. He said, I despise the shame because it was joy set before me to see my creation reconciled, meaning brought back to oneness with me through my sacrifice. And that's why as Christians, we're supposed to think of other people. We're supposed to be selfless, not selfish, at least moving growing in that area right none of us are perfect my wife will tell you you know there's plenty every day keeping dude you didn't think you thought about yourself and it's true you know i mean i keep it real but this is the thing you should be growing there should be areas of your life where you see improvement and this pandemic has taught me with having my kids with me the majority of the time how much I need to grow in that area, right? Because you see, when you have children, you have to give of yourself. When you have a spouse, you have to give of yourself or you're going to have a horrible marriage. You're going to have a horrible marriage. If you just do you, if you're one of those couples, it's like, uh, well, we're, we don't have a joint account and you know, I have my own money and she has hers. Man, you guys, you better go back to some Christian marriage counseling because that don't work. Hope I'm not stepping on toes, but it's the truth, you know? Because there's your, there's your treasure right there. You're like, I can't join together, man. Okay, that's a whole other subject. Let me stay on track. I'm sorry, y'all. You see, Jesus considered other people. This is why he gave of his life for our benefit. This is in complete opposition to Satan. What does Satan do? He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life and life abundantly, eternal life. This situation reminds me of the Good Samaritan. Oh, I love that account in the Bible. Many of us are familiar with this account, right? There's a man left on the side of the road to die. <laughs> you got this priest. You got this priest. Like, bro, you're, you're a man of the cloth. You should be the first person running to this person's aid. <laughs> I walk by. Oh, man, uh, I'm good, man. It's a, you know, it, 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 it's a Sabbath. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help you. I can't help you, homie. Hopefully the next person come get you. Then you got the next person. This is someone who's an assistant to the rabbi or the priest. Same thing. I walk by. I don't even stop. I don't even acknowledge you. And I just move on. These are people who are supposed to be spiritually mature. Who are supposed to have a relationship with God. And then here comes the half-breed Samaritan. You guys, if you know the accounts of the Samaritans, the Jews thought they were dogs. 
You know, I'm a half breed. All of us are half breeds, and so there's no one in here that's a pure race. <laughs> the Jews are like, you're a half breed. You are like a dog. It's that dog who saw that man dying, took him on his donkey, bandages his wounds up, put him in a hotel room, paid for his hotel, said, if I need to pay more, I'll pay more. That's giving of yourself. That's, that's the heart of Jesus, to see other people in need and to be moved, right? Because sometimes we'd be like, oh, God bless you, brother, I'll pray for you. <laughs> Dude, I have an immediate need right now. Can, can you get me some food? Can you get me some clothes? Can, can, you, can, you, can you listen to me? Oh, brother, I'll, you know, I'll text you. That's not, that's not the heart of Christ. You know, we need to give of ourselves. Now, don't give of yourself to the point where you can't even take care of your own self. Now, that's just foolishness. The Bible doesn't call us to do that. But well within reason, the Bible says, when it's well within reason, be at peace with all men. And what that means and what that looks like is getting outside of yourself, getting outside of myself and considering other people. That's why you look at our circumstances in our culture today. You see the decay in values and the decay in morality. It's because a lot of people are not thinking of others. They're thinking only of themselves and how they can satisfy their own lusts and their own desires. And they will stop at nothing to accomplish this. And it's unfortunate because it's the young children who are inheriting this. This is the culture that they're inheriting. You know? And so it's our job to try to have influence in the lives of other people. You start with yourself, get right with the Lord, and then you can be living it out amongst other people. And hopefully, Lord willing, they will be affected by the way you live. All right, I got to move along here. All right, it says next, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Okay, there were two reasons why they had to stay together. First, the passengers desperately needed the crew's expertise. These were prisoners. They had no knowledge of, of how to, uh, you know, navigate a ship. So they needed them. And also, it would be fatal if the crew abandoned these passengers. It was also because Paul sensed that God's promise not only rested on him, but if he was with them, they weren't going to perish either. And we'll get to that in a minute, what, what Paul said to them to encourage them about that. The application for us today is this. When you look at your life, excuse me, you're in a boat for example, right? Remember the account of Jesus in the boat with the disciples? He's asleep. Another crazy storm. They start freaking out. Jesus, you're asleep. We're in the boat. We're going to die. No matter how crazy the storms of your life get, stick with Christ. As long as you are with him and he with you, you're going to be able <laughs> to endure the trials of your life that you'll face. You remember, even when Peter got out the boat, he was still connected to Jesus. He's walking on water. Right, Paul walking on water. Excuse, excuse me, Peter walking on water. And then as soon as he takes his eyes off Christ and he's focusing on the waves, oh, what happens? He sinks. And that's the same thing with us, right? If the mask is a big deal to you, the issue with the mask, keep your eyes on Christ. Just focus on Christ and honor him. You won't sink. You won't worry about it here or there. All the things with the politics in our society, all those things, it's not, you're going to be focused on Christ. You're going to be okay. You take your eyes off Christ, you start worrying about Gavin Newsom too much, about what, you know, the president's doing, what this and that, and all these policies. You're going to be so stressed out. No one's going to want to be here. I definitely won't, go, won't be around you because I don't want to talk politics all day. I don't want to do that. You know, keep your eyes focused on Christ. You're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to pray for these politicians. I'm going to pray that the Lord get a hold of them and, and, and see change in their lives. Again, prayer is such an important key component in our lives. If we pray for these people, we will see change. We will see change. Maybe not in the way, in the fashion that we think we're going to see change, but you will see something happen if you begin to pray. And especially pray for the people that you don't like. Pray for them. Pray for these people, right? It's what we are to do. All right. Second John 1 John 1.9. I love this verse. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So it tells us right there, that's, a, that's, a, that's the, the beautiful thing about the Bible. It's, it's the cheat sheet. He gives us all the answers. He just says, abide. Abide in me. If you abide in me, if you live out your life, if the actions of your life mirror what the Bible says, you're fine. It's not, if I go to a church service, I've been to church for 20-something years, 
if you're not abiding in Christ, it don't matter how many times you come and sit in the chair. It don't matter. It's about what you do outside of this building. This is like, again, the football huddle. This is where you get the game plan. It's not till you get to the line of scrimmage and apply what's in the huddle that it counts. Nobody cares what you're doing in the huddle. Everybody cares. They pay money to go to a football game to sue, to see what men do on the field. Not standing in a huddle so you can look at their butts. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm just keeping it real. I'm just keeping it real. And this is what the scripture is telling us. Abide in him. Abide in the teachings of Christ. And you will have the father and the son. It's a beautiful thing. All right. Last verses and we're ending. I promise. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food and have taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will be good for your strength. For not a hair is going to perish on any head of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he had broken and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food for themselves. They were 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Okay, this is so important. I have to touch on this before we close. Since not a hair will fall on the, from the head of any of you. Paul had a word of faith and confidence from the Lord for these frightened crew members. This reminds me of Luke chapter 27, verse 7, when he says, Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, for you are more valuable than many sparrows. You know, God knows. God knows. Right? He knows the circumstances you're in. He knows what you're facing. I don't want to paint a false picture. It's not always going to be pretty. But you're going to have the Lord walking you through every circumstance of your life. Amen. And that's where you draw your strength from. You see, the trials of life reveal your character. It's not the good times. It's when you're down on your luck. It's when the mortgage isn't paid. It's when you get that call from the doctor telling you this sickness has happened. It's when your spouse has left. It's when your kids are unruly and you have a prodigal son or daughter that has gone off into the world and is doing their own thing. That is when your true character comes to light. What are you going to do then? Right? Because everybody's okay when everything's all peachy keen and the 49ers win, you know? <laughs> or when the Dolphins win, you know? That's my, that's my father-in-law's team. He's old school, Dan Marino. You know, some of y'all don't even know about that, man. <laughs> but, you know, we're all, it's all good when everything's all good. But how are we responding when it's difficult, when the trials of life come upon us? You know, that's when you got to dig down deep and not in your own strength, but you, you dig deep into the Lord and you say, Lord, give me the strength to do this. Give me the ability to endure. Help me to be loving when I don't feel loving. Help me to be kind when I don't feel kind. Help me to, to do the right thing when, when I could easily cheat and make it all better. You see, but when you have integrity and you live that way, it may not look to the world that you're successful, but you're always going to make it out better. And I can guarantee you, You'll be the one who sleeps soundly at night. You don't have that guilt. You don't have that shame. You don't have to cover up a lie. You don't have to worry about who found what out on social media because you're not even a part of all that. You know that you're squeaky clean. And this is what comes to understanding and trusting the Lord for his promises. The application is this. Do you actually believe the promises of God for yourself you see, we read the Bible all the time and we say, oh, it's Moses or oh, it's Peter or oh, it's John. What about you? Your story is not finished being written in the Lamb's book of life. You have a part to play in this. What did Jesus say to Thomas? Thomas said, I need to see the holes in your hands and your wrists before I believe. Jesus said, blessed are the ones who haven't seen and still believe. Do you know if you believe in Jesus Christ, he's talking about you today? You didn't see him. I didn't see him. I can't say he's black. I can't say he's got blonde hair and blue eyes, but I know that I believe in Christ. I believe the word of God for what it says to be true. And he's talking about you. He's talking about me. And that's important. Believe the promise of, promises of God, excuse me, for yourself. You see, God has scores of promises of his comfort and care for us in, des in desperate times, but on they only benefit us if we believe them. This last part, as the worship team comes up, and when he had said these things, speaking of Paul, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. And when he had broken it, he began to, they began to eat and they were all encouraged. You see, Paul regarded this meal as communion at the Lord's table. 
for these people who are present. This was a great way to introduce these people who were ungodly to who the God of all creation was through this simple act of communion. Remember, they had just recently prayed and they cried out to be saved from this terrible storm. They didn't know who God was, but now they were crying out to him. And now through the act of communion, these lost men all got a glimpse of the God who saves, not only physically, but spiritually. This is a beautiful theme about communion, right? Uh, and when you look at those, that word, it's a compound word, right? Communion, common union. We participate in this and we practice it, not because it's a ritual, not because it saves you, because you can eat crackers and drink juice all day. That's not going to save you. But it's a common union between God, the creator, and man. And we, we take this cracker and we take this juice and we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. And it should evoke in you a desire to thank him and praise him that he spared you and that he allowed you access into his kingdom. Right. And you are now called a child of the king. You're a child of God. That is the whole reason for communion. When it's taken in the right manner. And this is what Paul was trying to direct to the men. Yes, they needed nourishment for being 14 days without food. But more than that, they needed this encouragement spiritually. So they could know, no longer do I have to live in the dark. But I could live in light of who Jesus Christ is. The last part of this message, and I got to share it. It's only going to take one minute. Notice that it says after that, they got rid of the rest of the wheat. If you track back... Remember, they took stuff from Egypt that was very valuable, very valuable, and it was going to be sold. Many times in our lives, we have a lot of baggage that we think is super valuable and super important. And it may be monetarily, it may be by the world's standards, very valuable. But the Lord's saying, get rid of it. Take it off. Get it off the boat. As long as you keep it in your boat, you're going to drown. You're going to sink. He's saying, get rid of it. Get rid of these things. And I'm not saying material things are bad. I'm the first person to tell you I like Jordan shoes. I like all kind of stuff like that. But what I'm saying, if the Lord is impressing upon your heart something that you need to get rid of, get it off your boat. Get it off your boat. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and I'll end with this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, the Apostle Paul understood this. He knew this. He didn't want anything hindering him from running his race to the best of his ability. And you and I today, let us also run our race without weights and things that hinder us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for just this brief moment, even in this hour time we've been together or however long it's been. We just thank you that you speak through your word, Lord, and that we can sense that you love us, Lord, and you care for us and you want the best for us. Lord, wherever we're at, may you do a work in our hearts that only you could do. Only you can change a man or a woman. Lord, we can't change. We can't change on our own. A pastor can't change somebody. A parent can't change someone, but you can, Lord. And so we look to you for a miracle in all of our lives, Lord. May you, may you bless us, Lord, and may we be pleasing in your sight. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.